The following audio is from Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee, where our mission is to follow Christ and His mission of loving people, places, and things to life. For more information about Christ Presbyterian Church, please visit ChristPres.org. And our scripture this morning is from 2 Timothy 4, 9-22. through 22. Do your best to come to me soon. For Damas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to Christ. And now Dr. Micah Edmondson is with us. Amen. Music Row, are you ready for the gospel? Amen. 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 I'm so grateful to be here on this morning. Should I should I just pick this up and just take this off? So I feel like uh I'm a little bit more mobile than this thing is here. Let's see. Let's turn it. All right. Okay. It's, I'm going to make this work here. Just a little further this way. Just a little further that way. Wonderful. I'm so blessed to be here. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to proclaim the gospel, to share in the gospel with you. Uh, the Lord has given us a wonderful, crisp fall morning. Amen. And uh, I'm grateful because this will help us to stay awake. Amen. Uh, this will help us to stay awake. Um, I'm uh, I'm thankful for the... Um, for the staff at uh, at Music Row and Pastor Stacy and family, and uh, for this opportunity, and uh, and God has been so good to us. Let's go to Him in prayer, and then we'll turn to the Word. Father, we are grateful for this opportunity to share in Your Word. We pray today, O oh God, that You would be with us in power, O oh Father. We pray pray that this would not be mere religious ritual, O oh God, but that we would have an encounter with the living and the risen Christ, O oh Father. Please, by your grace, through your spirit and through your word, O oh God, stretch down your glorious power from heaven, O oh Lord, and transform and renew our lives, O oh God, after the image of Christ. We would see Jesus today. In Jesus' name we pray. Let all of God's people say, Amen. 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 So those were some difficult words there. Did you all hear what Paul said in the letter? How he said that at my first defense, no one came to stand with me. He's a man who had given his life to the church, to the planting and building of churches. And, and, and when the going got tough and, and at the moment of need, no one showed up for him. I want to talk this morning 
by God's grace about adversity in community. Adversity in community. Sometimes life in the church can be hard. Amen. Church hurt is real. And we're going to dig into that and talk about the Lord's grace and mercy in the midst of the hardships that can happen within the life of community. December, December 1922, renowned Harlem Renaissance poet Langston Hughes published a piece in the Crisis magazine called Mother to Son. And in that piece, Hughes gave voice to the African-American communal struggle against oppression through the words of an older black woman who was the domestic reflecting on her life's hardships, struggles, and perseverance in the Jim Crow South. In that poem, Mother to Son, she begins with the words, well, son, I'll tell you, life for me ain't been no crystal stair. It's had tacks in it and splinters and boards torn up and places with no carpet on the floor. She goes on to encourage her son to continue, even in the midst of hardships. And she says, boy, don't you turn back. Don't you sit down on the steps because you find it's kind of hard. Don't you fall now. I still going, honey. I still climbing. Life for me ain't been no crystal stair. Today's passage finds the Apostle Paul telling his son in the ministry, Timothy, that life for me ain't been no crystal stair. As he reflects on the stairway of life in the church, he confesses that it's contained the searing tack of abandonment and the stinging splinter of betrayal. Longtime members of the church, folks that he had discipled and poured his life into like Demas, had suddenly disappeared and left him alone in his hour of need. Paul explains that there had been some torn up places in the life of the church. Because of the failures of fellow Christians, he found himself having to stand as his own character witness before the Roman authorities. He had experienced bare places as he pins this letter without so much as an overcoat to keep him warm as he sits in the dark, dusky confines of the Mamertine prison, awaiting his eventual execution at the hands of the Roman authorities. So we have the words of a man sitting on death row. And he is sitting on death row because the church did not show up for him. Life for him hadn't been no crystal stair. I can confess today, I believe if we were honest, we could confess today that life for us ain't been no crystal stair either, has it? We sit here with these, we sit here looking behind these masks in the midst of a global pandemic midst of a struggling economy, in the midst of widespread social injustice and oppression, heartache, disappointments, personal loss, the feeling of stagnation, personal failures, and even deep church hurts. Life for us ain't been no crystal stair. And we need a God that can give us grace in the midst of a hard journey, 
We need a God that can come to us and minister us and, and give us strength in the midst of hard situations. And today's text reveals that, 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 that even though life for us ain't been no crystal stair, we got reasons to keep on climbing. We got reasons not to turn back. We got reasons not to sit down on the stairway of life, but to continue on. Even from the shadow of the gallows, Paul kept on going. This text gives us some reasons not to sit down, some reasons not to turn back, some reasons to continue on on the hard stairway of life. Here's point number one. Here in this text, we see, number one, the unseen strength in adversity. Unseen strength of the Lord in adversity. Verse 16 says this, at my first defense, no one supported me, but all, everybody. That's a, that's a big word, everybody. I mean, you would think maybe one person, but Paul said all, every single person deserted me. He said, may it not be counted against them, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Dr. Thomas Constable professor offers some historical context behind these words and behind this passage. He says, under Roman law, it was uh, accused prisoners uh, underwent a preliminary hearing before their trial. And at this hearing, witnesses could speak up on behalf of the accused. During this time, it was dangerous to be known as a Christian in Rome. This was during the persecution of Christians of the Emperor Nero. And, and he had, there was a fire that happened in Rome, and, and, and Nero blamed the Christians. And so it was dangerous to be a public Christian in Rome. And so at Paul's preliminary hearing, no one was willing to stand with him at his public trial. No one showed up. But the Lord did for Paul what no Christian was willing to do for Paul. When everyone else ran away from Paul, Christ drew near to Paul. He stood with Paul and he held him up. And that's our hope today. Our hope is that amidst struggles, disappointments, and betrayals, amidst the flakiness of folk, that Jesus remains faithful. That even though folks may turn their back on you, Jesus will never turn his back on you. Amen. I'm so grateful that our place in the kingdom of God and our strength in amidst the, the, the uncertainties of life and the difficulties of life is not based on the uncertain, uh, wavering faithfulness of people. Because as I said, people will cheer you today and they'll boo you tomorrow. Just ask the Tennessee Titans. But Jesus will always cheer you on. Jesus will always stand with you. Jesus is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. And he's able to make you stand. The eternal flame in Arlington Cemetery is a memorial to the late President John F. Kennedy. Current flame has been burning almost steadily since, listen to this, it was unveiled in March 15, 1967. It's so named because no matter what the outward conditions, whether rain, sleet, snow, windy conditions, the flame continues to burn. 
And the secret behind the eternal flame is that just beneath the surface of the memorial, there is an underground gas line, a fuel line, that continues to channel an unseen fuel supply from engineers that tend the flame. And that unseen fuel supply and those, uh, those, those, those flame tenders uh, actually keeps this flame going amidst every situation and no matter the conditions. It keeps the flame from being extinguished in the midst of hard times and, and, and in the midst of rain, sleet, and snow. And Jesus, beloved, is the unseen tender of our flame. He's the one that keeps the flame of our faith from being extinguished even during difficult conditions. Jesus, uh, from his unseen place in glory, continues to pour down the fuel for our faith that keeps us going in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of frustration, in the midst of the uncertainties and the storms of life. King Jesus will continue to tend your flame and continue to keep you standing in hard times. He will not let the flame of your faith die out. He will stand by you. He will tend the flickering flame of your faith. And I know that oftentimes we get disappointed because we look at the limited resources in our own hearts and minds and lives. But I want us to look a little bit higher. I want us to look a little bit further to see that our flame is being fed by glory. And as long as Jesus has got some power, then you've got some power. As long as Jesus is your supply, then the flame of your faith will continue to burn on. You will stand because King Jesus is able to make you stand. If you're standing today, the Lord has been good to you. It's not because you were able to hold yourself up and keep yourself going. And, 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 and you're not here today because you've been so good to yourself. You're here today because Jesus has been better to you than you've been to yourself. You're here today because Jesus got you up today, because Jesus put himself on your heart and in your mind, because Jesus brought you over here to receive grace from his hand yet again. The Lord has been good to you. The Lord has tended the flame in your life. Here's the second, here's the second point. Point number two is the unexpected purpose in adversity. There is an unexpected purpose even in Paul's adversity here. He said, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. Paul has just painted a, a pitiful picture of himself. A sad picture of himself. I'm sure this is not how he pictured his journey to Rome. I mean, you know, if you read through uh, the, 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 his epistle to the Romans, he talks about how he was excited and how he eagerly anticipated coming to Rome to share the gospel with, with them. And here he finally finds himself in Rome, and now he's sitting in a prison, abandoned, without even a coat, not even a sweater, nothing to keep him warm. I'm sure this is not how he thought this would turn out. He's in his final days. He's on death row. Without anyone to give him a defense for himself, Paul found himself in an unexpected situation. But it's interesting because it was actually through these unexpected circumstances that the Lord worked to fulfill Paul's ministry. 
Paul had a, had a, had a calling to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And, 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 and the kind of the culmination of that ministry was that he would finally reach Rome and preach the gospel to the Gentiles in Rome. And, and the Lord was faithful uh, so, such, to give a circumstance, an orchestrated circumstance, such that although nobody else showed up to Paul's defense, it was in the context of that abandonment that the Lord gave, gave Paul the opportunity to preach the gospel to the Gentiles at his trial. Here's Paul sitting, waiting on somebody to show up, to speak up on his behalf. And when nobody showed up, the Lord gave Paul the opportunity to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And so Paul used the very hardship, I mean, the Lord used the very hardship that Paul had gone through in order to push him toward the goal that he had called him to. The hard situation of abandonment became the context the Lord used to fulfill his ministry in Paul's life and through which the Lord strengthened him. Listen, the Lord can hit a straight lick with a crooked stick. The, 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 the Lord can work through unexpected circumstances to bring about his purposes in your life. Listen, we, we, I used to say this all the time at, at, uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, another church I had pastored. I used to say, look, the Lord, look, we're playing checkers, but the Lord is playing chess. We can only see one step ahead of us, but the Lord sees everything. From his, from, from being, he, he's, he's the omniscient God. He's the all wise God. You, you, you think you understand all that the Lord is doing with your life and through your circumstances? No, 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 no. The Lord is the master orchestrator. He knows the end from the beginning. He's the master storyteller. He knows all the twists and turns. He knows the grand narrative and he knows how to bring about his purpose in your life. He knows how to get Jesus's image out of your life. He knows exactly what circumstances to put. Listen, listen, hardships has got, listen, hardships may come into your life, but hardships have, have got to check with Jesus first. They've got to ask permission why? Because Jesus is the master storyteller. He's the one that orchestrates the narrative of your life. He's the one that, that in his love and his mercy brings about Christ's likeness through your life. And he's able to use some unexpected things to do it. One of my favorite parts of worship service is the testimony part of service. We don't do that enough. And various saints get the opportunity to walk from the pew or from the blanket to the mic. And they get to share about the goodness of the Lord in their life. Because it's good to hear from the folk and not just from the preacher. Amen. I remember one sister in Grand Rapids, Michigan, shared how as a teenager she had always prayed that the Lord would teach her humility and patience and empathy and dependence on Christ. And she said, I just, I, I, I wanted the Lord to help me to know how to depend on him. As an adult, she suddenly began to suffer panic attacks, debilitating panic attacks. That kept her from getting out of the bed in the morning. That 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 that, that, that kept her from 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 doing things that she wanted to do in life. 
And she prayed and she prayed and she prayed, but she just kept having panic attacks. And she shared with the congregation how as she began to reflect on her life, she realized that she had never prayed like she did when she started having panic attacks. How she never depended on the Lord like she did until she started having panic attacks. How she never was close to the Lord and, and humble and, and, and of a Christ-like mind and empathetic like she was until she started having panic attacks. And she realized over time that the, that, that the Lord had actually worked in and through a panic attack to bless her and to cultivate Christ-like character in her life. You tell me what the Lord can't use. He can use a panic attack to bless you. And I'm not saying that he's smiling on panic attacks. The Lord does not smile on our suffering and on our pain. But the Lord can work in and through a painful situation to bring you to Christ-like glory. There's nothing in all of creation that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Not even a panic attack. Hope and hardship is that through though life's stairway has some tacks and some splinters and some boards torn up, it's still leading us toward the, uh, the high calling of Christ Jesus, toward the purposes of our God in Christ. Psalm 138 says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. It says, your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. I love that word forever because it means that even in the middle of a panic attack, even in the middle of a global pandemic, even in the middle of frustrations, the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. And this is what it'll do. When you get this kind of perspective that the Lord uses broken situations and broken people, It'll give you some hope not only for yourself, it'll give you some hope for somebody else. It'll give you some grace for somebody else. Y'all want you to notice how much grace Paul has for the very folk that abandoned him. You know, look what he says. He said, he said, everyone deserted me. He said, may it not be charged against them. When's the last time you said that about your spouse? Come on, somebody. Let's be honest. Somebody hurt you. Somebody disappointed you. Somebody didn't show up for you. Somebody misunderstood you. Somebody should have been there and they weren't there. Somebody got you in a situation that, 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 that you really rather not be in. And here come Paul said, may it not be charged against them. We, we got to get a may it not be charged against them in our spirit. Because we recognize, beloved, we recognize, beloved, that, that, that just like we're a work in progress, they're also a work in progress. Come on, somebody. They're also a work in progress. Listen, it's interesting because, because you know, we, we, we like to be, we like to, we like to claim the work in progress status. Well, the Lord ain't done with me yet. But you know what? The Lord ain't done with them yet either. And so we ought to get a, may it not be charged against them in our spirit. You know, Paul has this confidence that, 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 that even in the midst of a great failure, that, that their lives won't be defined by their very worst moment. 
aren't you glad that your life is not defined by your very worst moment? Aren't you glad that Jesus put something bigger in your life than your very worst moment? That Jesus overshadows your very worst moment with his grace and mercy and kindness and sovereign purposes. Oh, that's good news. Because I don't know what kind of worst moments you got. But we come on, somebody. Let's be honest about what we're dealing with here. Let's be honest about what we've done here. Let's be honest about what we got in our closet here. And I'm so glad that Jesus is able to overshadow all of those things by his grace and his mercy and his purposes. Jesus will grab hold of the mess in your life and the mess in my life, and he's able to transform it into a masterpiece to bring glory to his great name. Armed with just a pair of scissors and glue and tweezers, Paris-based artist Anastasia Elias uses unexpected materials to create masterpieces. She uses toilet paper rolls. Toilet paper rolls. I'm going to say that a third time. Toilet paper rolls to create miniature scenes of life to raise awareness about sanitation. Remarkably, she created 10 mesmerizing tiny cityscapes inside toilet paper rolls to raise awareness about sanitation. And she reminds us that 2.3 billion people, one in three of the world's population, do not have access to a safe private toilet. She said this. She said, I've always enjoyed working with materials that other people might throw away. Visually striking art takes something ordinary and turns it into a powerful tool that starts conversations and helps raise awareness about important issues. And you know, it's amazing because God, as an artist, specializes in working with materials that other people would throw away. He specializes in working through lives that everyone else had given up on. He specializes in working through situations that other people didn't think that there was a chance or any hope for. He specializes in making a way out of no way. He works with lives and through situations and, and through deep disappointments and some hardships and some struggles in order to show the glory of his salvation and his strength. In order so that, 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 who, that, that let him who boasts, not boast in his own strength, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. And so when other people look at you, they won't give you the glory. They'll give him the glory. They'll give him the honor. They'll give him the praise. So as you look at your life that looks like a difficult staircase with tacks in it and boards torn up and splinters and bare places and twists and turns and dark places and unexpected things in life, understand that the Lord is even at work through these circumstances, bringing glory and honor and praise to his great and glorious name. Here's the last point we see finally here. A glorious victory over adversity. A glorious victory over adversity. Adversity won't have the final say. Even though the stairway of life might be difficult, it's leading up to a glorious place with Jesus. Notice what it says in verse 18. Paul says, I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. 
The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Wait a minute, Paul. What do you mean you were rescued out of the lion's mouth? Aren't you sitting up in prison right now? He said, I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. Wait, wait, wait a minute. What do you mean you were rescued from every evil deed? Aren't you abandoned by everybody in the church? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Aren't you sitting in the shadow of the gallows on death row awaiting execution, Paul? Yes, but I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. I was rescued out of every evil deed. Wait a minute, Paul, what sort of rescue are you talking about? What kind of rescue are you talking about, Paul? You've got to ask the Bible some questions. You got to have a you had to have a conversation with the scripture. Come on now, you got you got you got to ask some questions here. Well, well, Paul, when he says I was rescued out of the lion's mouth, he uses a Greek word, ruomai. Repeat after me, ruomai. Okay, ruomai, amen. Ruomai, ruomai. Literally, it's translated rescue. It literally means. To draw to yourself. The image is that a person standing from a place of safety is pulling someone else to him or herself out of danger to that place of safety. And Paul is saying that the risen Christ, even through difficult circumstances, is standing in glory. And pulling me from a place of danger to a place of safety. Come on, somebody. <laughs> through the ups and downs of life, through the hard times of life, through the disappointments of life, through the difficulties of life, through the darkness and uncertainties of life, Jesus all the time is pulling us, listen, from a place of danger to a place of safety. The, 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 the whole point of this thing is to get you closer and closer to King Jesus. And even if he's got to use a panic attack, even if he's got to use some difficulties, even if he's got to use a global pandemic, the risen Christ is still pulling you closer and closer and closer to himself. And look at here, one day you will see him face to face. One day you will be in glory with him. Woo, that's good news. That's good news. It wasn't, wasn't that the good news? Wasn't that the good news for the thief hanging on a cross beside Jesus? Here's a man that could not do anything for himself. He was, he was nailed to a cross. He was in a situation of a torturous agony. He didn't have anything that he could offer to King Jesus. He looked like a, he looked, he was the picture of despair and woe. He was the picture of pity. He, he didn't look like there was anything working for this man, but Jesus looked at him and Jesus spoke a good word of gospel over his life. 
Jesus spoke all oh, and he, he said, Oh Lord, he just could say, Hey, when you get into your kingdom, will you remember me? When when you come into your glory, remember me. Oh, and Jesus looked at him and he told that man truly, surely this day you will be with me in paradise. Oh, the Lord Jesus said, When I get into my kingdom, I'm not gonna forget you. When I get up there on that high perch standing before the throne of my God and my Father, I'm not gonna forget you. I'm going to look down here and I'm going to draw you closer to myself. I'm going to keep pulling you on to myself and one day you're going to be looking at me face to face and you're going to be here with me in paradise. That's our hope today. That's the good news today. That's the gospel today. Are you glad that Jesus has got his hands on your life? Pulling you closer and closer and closer to him. Until one day you see him face to face. And you will be made like him. We will see him as he is. Eliza Hewitt, a hymn writer who had suffered severe back injury. Left her bedridden for months and stricken with pain for the rest of her life. But even in the midst of pain. She sensed the drawing power of Jesus, rescuing her, drawing her closer and closer toward that day in which she would be pain-free in his presence. And she penned these words, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we will sing and shout the victory. Aren't you anticipating that day when all we listen, listen, beloved, we listen, beloved, we see did not hearts burn as Jesus came to us through the scriptures? Did not heart work? Well, weren't you moved when you learned more about Jesus? Listen, that ain't the preacher. That's King Jesus. And Jesus even now is drawing you closer, 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 closer to himself until that great day when we get to heaven. And we get to shout the victory. Father, we are grateful. We are grateful today, Lord. Just so grateful that you have seen fit to grace us with your presence. Coming down by your spirit and through your words and to your children. We out here at Scared Bennett on the lawn. And we, our, our hope today is that we're not out here by ourselves. Our hope today is that you have been with us. You've strengthened us, oh Lord, even in the midst of our various situations. Some of us having good times and good days. Some of us having difficult days and difficult times. But oh Lord, the one thing that remains certain and sure and faithful and, and the same is that you are with us. You've promised never to leave us. And never to forsake us. And you have shown us been good to us. We pray that you would continue to pour out your goodness upon us, O oh Lord. Continue, continue to draw us closer and closer to yourself until that day in which we see you face to face and we are made like you. In Jesus' name we pray. And let all God's people say, Amen. Amen.